You're listening to the CIT Podcast. If you'd like to know more about CIT or like to donate to this ministry, you can find us online at churchintoronto.com, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'd love to see you at church this Sunday. Nice to see you all. Uh, we're continuing our series in, based on the book of uh, Philippians called A Life Worth Living. Paul testifies and teaches about a life worth living. Today, uh, uh, the title of this specific message is Paul, Job, J-O-B, and God's Vindication. We'll see about that today. Okay, we have some readers who like to come up. And they're going to read for us. Let's welcome them. Yeah. Woo! All right. <laughs> yes. Good morning, church. My name is Lucas. This is my wife, Thais. This is our dog, Charlie, the most Canadian name ever. We are from Brazil, and we are so grateful to be here today. Uh, we moved three years ago, and we are trying to find the perfect church. And... In Brazil, we have a lot of different churches, and we are used to the same church forever. And we came here, we visited some Brazilian church, some Canadian, some other traditions, and no, this is no, no. And we came here as a friend uh, from my school in Brazil, São Paulo, Brazil. Bia, she left to Brazil again, but I'm grateful to, to her. And we came here, and Pastor Ian was uh, speaking, and he told us, not us, but for everybody, uh, stop looking for the perfect church. And we look at each other and said, okay, this is a sign, okay. And, but it's not only that. We felt the Holy Spirit here so, his presence here, everybody's presence here. Like we felt so in home here and we are very grateful for CIT. And we got baptized last week, last Sunday. Yes, thank you all. And our life is changing and we just want to thank everybody in this team. Good morning, church. My name is Thais, and I'm going to be reading Philippians 1, 12, 21. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and there even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. They proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will, that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's very good. All right. Uh, we read a se whole section. That's context. We're going to focus on the one verse. If we put up the last slide there, 
uh, the verses. We're focusing today on one verse. Re read across the top line. Yes, I will rejoice. 19 is our focus. Because I know this will lead to my salvation. I know, I have the assurance, this, this circumstance, this situation will lead to my salvation through your, the Philippians' prayer, and the supply, the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're going to focus on this. Um, we're going to talk about the title is Paul Job, J-O-B. I know that's Job, it, the, as the name is Job. And God's vindication, God's approval, God's endorsement, right? That's our title. Paul, Job, and God's vindication, God's endorsement, God's approval of Job, of Paul, okay? Uh, we're putting together somebody from the Old Testament and somebody from the New, which we don't typically do. One is Job. There's a big book in the Old Testament called Job, 42 chapters. And, of course, Paul wrote a lot in the New Testament. We're putting those together. They're linked, as you'll see why. Okay, firstly, uh, situation. Paul did not have an easy life, right? You read Acts, he didn't have an easy life. He was stoned. He was put in prison. He was released. He was shipwrecked. All kind of things. Paul did not have an easy life, right, in different ways. And that is evident in the verses that we read. We may read and skip them over them. Paul says, yes, I'm in prison, and that's an encouragement to Christians in this city where I am. Some preach, some uh, have a supportive of me. And they preach, however, there are some who are rivals, opposers, who are still preaching Christ. Their message is right, their motive is wrong, they're trying to cause me trouble. So, among Christians, some Christians, we don't know quite, why, quite in what way, were trying to cause Paul trouble. And that was just one incident, Paul in his life, you know, there were all, it seems like there was always some, yes, people, God blessed his ministry, and, and, but there were difficulties, opposition from this group, from that group. Uh, so Paul did not have an easy life. Paul was a polarizing person in his life. Some were for him, some were against him. You either liked him or you didn't, you, you, right? Uh, even today, let me, uh, here's, a, here's something we don't have on the screen. For some, today, for some, Paul is a great hero. Maybe for you and I, we all, oh, Paul, great. Right? We appreciate him. For some, Paul is a great hero who most clearly perceived the meaning of the death and the resurrection of Christ. Right? How, for others... Paul was responsible for taking the Jewish message of Jesus and corrupting it. You might not have thought about that. Paul's, you know, Jesus had a certain message, certain emphasis. Paul, in fact, has a different kind of emphasis. Some people feel, I like Jesus, Paul. Uh. Right? So, okay, there's different views on Paul today. 
and you go back when Paul was actually alive and, and uh, traveling. Here's a quotation from Samuel Vollenweider. says this, Paul has been... Paul has been a highly controversial figure throughout history. Controversial. Such was also the case during his lifetime. From the beginning of his apostolic career, Paul was faced with critics and opponents. From the beginning all the way. He had critics, he had opposers, people who wanted to correct him, adjust him, felt he was off. Here's another quote. Both Jews, from Udo Schnell, both Jews and Jewish Christians opposed Paul. The opposing front, the anti-Paul, right, coalition became ever larger and stronger near the end of Paul's ministry. It was not just in the beginning, then everybody sorted things out. He's saying the opposition, the conflict got more as Paul's ministry went on. Jews regarded Paul as an apostate, a heretic, who, right? He went off, and radical Jewish Christians viewed him as a falsifier, right? So, you can see there there's opposition, right, in different ways. And you see it in the verses we read, as I mentioned. Yes, Paul had a positive impact, but some, right, some preach Christ out of rivalry. They want to cause me trouble. They want to afflict me, right? Paul was in prison already, right? He was not resting in a resort. Paul was in prison, and prisons back then were terrible places, right? Here's a picture. I think we have a couple of, uh, okay, there's a cell, okay, Right? <laughs> okay, that is somebody, somebody's idea of, you know, they went to Rome, found this prison cell, and said, whoa, that's, if you go to Rome and ask, Where's, where was Paul imprisoned? This is one of the places they'll show you. Whether that is historically accurate or not. The, you know, prisons back then were terrible places. Paul's in prison, he's been on trial, he's waiting for the results. Right? And that's from there he writes. Right? And okay, people could ask, how come Paul's not released? When Paul went to Philippi, he was put in jail, sang songs at midnight, and the, there's an earthquake, the door's open, Paul's released. Okay, it's a miracle. Right? How come Paul, now you're in prison, it's not happening? Right? So Paul is having, right? He's suffering in that sense from these rival preacher, preachers. And what is Paul's response? Paul's response is we read the verse. Paul says, okay, on one side, if Christ, as long as Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice. No matter if the, the motive is right or wrong, if the real gospel of Christ message is proclaimed, salvation in Christ, I rejoice in that. He says, yes, and I will rejoice going forward. What is my attitude? I will rejoice because I know this situation of being in prison, of whatever, waiting for a result, of opposition outside, this whole situation will turn out to my salvation. 
is typically the Greek, Greek word. Through your petition, the bountiful supply of the Spirit. Okay? The question for us is, you have this verse. It's a key verse. I hope we would, you know, I hope you, if you only remember one verse from today's message, this is a key verse. I know that this will turn out to my salvation through your prayer and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. This, what's your this? What's my this? It's your situation, whatever. Maybe your family situation, your health situation, financial situation, job situation, school, the whole thing. My situation, I know that this situation, including the things you like, the things you don't, the things that you, uh, you uh, enjoy, and the things you dislike, I know that this situation will work out for my salvation. Okay, what does salvation mean there? That's the key question, right? So, okay, there's a number of options, right? I think we have a little quote. The Greek word is typically translated as salvation. I have a quote from Mark Jennings who says the following uh, that word, Greek, Greek word, soteria, salvation, can be understood in three word, one of three ways or more. Number one, the end time pardon on the day of judgment. Salvation, eternal salvation in Christ. That we've been forgiven, Christ died for our sins, so God will, approve, God will accept us, we're pardoned, forgiven, we're righteous in Christ, at the last day, we're accepted. That's salvation many times, right? Be saved, right? Okay, Does, is that what it means here? Paul says, I know this will work out to my salvation. Is he looking at the last day, final salvation, salvation from judgment, salvation from eternal punishment through the death of Christ? Is that it? Or number two, some of your translations, you know, you look at translations. Number one is salvation. Many translations also. I know that this will work out to my deliverance. Deliverance. Is, right? And then deliverance can mean rescue, release, deliverance from prison. I'm released from prison. That will be a deliverance. I know that this circumstance, your prayer, this, what I'm going through, will result in my deliverance. Is Paul saying, God, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to be acquitted. I'm going to be found innocent. The judges declare innocent, release the prisoner, and I'm going to go out free. Is that what Paul means? Deliverance. Or thirdly, does he mean Vindication. I know that this will work out for my vindication by God, right? Or some other people would say, let's add another one. This will work out to my spiritual well-being. That's kind of more subjective. I know I heard that a lot. We're in a situation, right? Maybe our health is, we're having health problems, financial problems, different situations, and we say, I know that this will work out to my salvation, meaning God, Lord will strengthen me, 
so I can go through this. I'll experience his right, supply, strengthening my weakness, his strength, right? Maybe his healing. I know that this will work out for my salvation. That's a kind of subjective way. You know, maybe I'm, I have to go somewhere new, and it's a new job, new situation. This, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, and I pray, Lord, this will work out to my salvation. The Lord will, free, will help me over anxiety, stress. Is that what it means? Subjective spiritual well-being. What does Paul mean? What does he mean? And based on that, what, how should we understand it? That will help us apply it. So you can see there's three or four alternatives which are quite different here. My goodness. <laughs> what should we do? Okay, here's a key. Here's a key to that difficulty. Wait, wait, where's the emphasis? Where does Paul mean? Here's the key which Bible scholars tell us. Scholars who, who know Greek, who are familiar with the Greek Old Testament, Greek New Testament. Okay, the key to, to deciding where, where's the emphasis, the key is to realize, recognize, I, this will, those words, the phrase, this will turn out to my salvation, is a, actually a quotation. I know Paul doesn't say, as the Scripture says. He doesn't say, as the prophet said. Nevertheless, it's a quotation. That phrase, I, this will turn out to my salvation, is a quotation, word for word, exact in the Greek, one for one. It's a quotation from Job, the book of Job. So here's a little, right? Uh, Job says this. Here's the quote. I think we have the context. Okay. Uh, okay, this is Job, and we can... Who's Job? We'll get into that. Job chapter... It's, right, 42 chapters. Jump in at chapter 13. Paul, Job is suffering. And Job says, you know, I want to argue my case with God. Job... You know, nobody understands. I w okay, I'm appealing to God. I prefer to argue my case with God. If he, God, kills me, I'll still defend my ways. He's tough. <laughs> Job is tough. I want to speak to God. <laughs> okay? You know, I'm going to approach God. If I die in the process, so be it, right? Even if he kills me, I'll still defend my ways before him. God, yes, this will result in my deliverance. Okay, that phrase. Job says, this will result in my deliverance, my salvation. Okay, Job is saying that. Paul picks up that phrase. He says that, right? And these are not common words. So it's, and the, Paul says the same words, same five Greek words in the same order, Exactly, he's quoting from Job, right? So, okay, that helps us. Paul is identifying with Job in the Old Testament. Paul is speaking Job's words. He's picked up Job's voice, and he's saying the same thing. So, what, did, how did, what was Job's situation? Right? Why did he say that? What did he mean? That should help us know 
what Paul means here. Okay, here I have a quote from Hawthorne and Martin, two scholars on this. Okay, Paul's words are exactly the words of Job in the Greek Old Testament. The verbal identity between the two passages strongly indicates Paul understood and interpreted his situation in terms of Job's experience. Paul knew the Old Testament. What's, you know, a lot of our problem is we don't know the Old Testament. <laughs> we know the new, hopefully. We're not that familiar with the old, especially the book of Job. Paul knew the whole thing, right? And had, right? He'd been in it, his, right? However old he was. Okay, so Paul knows that when he says that, it's not a random event. Paul is using the words of Job and applying them to his situation. Okay, so, all right. So, you know, so we should understand Philippians, Paul, in that way. He's saying basically, I know this will turn out as it did for Job. My situation will turn out as it did for Job, will turn out to, will mean vindication for me, right? He's making a correspondence. Okay, quickly, let's do this. Let's think about the situation. Let's talk about Job. J-O-B, short name, <laughs> long book. <laughs> okay, what's the, okay, interesting story. Job, the story of Job is set way back, or maybe around the time of Abraham. It's early. Okay, Job is somebody who honors God, respects God, wants to be right with God. He's, right, he prays to God. He, he li tries to live his life uprightly. He avoids evil. He prays for family. Okay, he's an upright person in his era. And he has, a, right, he's... He has a lot of wealth, right? He has a house, he has a wife, he has children, he has flocks, he has camels, few thousand camels, few thousand sheep, goats, whatever, okay? He has a lot of stuff. He has servants. Job is prosperous. Job, but that wealth doesn't lead him astray. That wealth, right? He still respects God, honors God, prays to God, and tries to live away in a way that's upright before God, okay? However, behind the scenes, Satan challenges God. Does Job love you? Does Job obeying you, honoring you for nothing? Or is he obeying you because of what he gets? Job obeys you and you bless him. Job honors you and you bless him. So he's well off, and you're blessing him. Is Job honoring you just for you? Or is Job honoring you for what he gets? That's the challenge from Satan. God says, okay, Job actually honors me, respects me for who I am, but you can test him. So, unknown to Job, Job doesn't know any of that. Calamity comes to Job. Devastation comes to Job, right? His, his herds got uh, killed, stolen, destroyed. His house is destroyed. His family, he's catastrophic. He loses everything except his wife. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and he's, even his health, 
He's covered with boils. Job has lost everything, and Job is wondering why. <laughs> okay, there's Job on the, on the left, sat in the right. He sits on the earth. He's covered with boils. He's trying to get release, right, physically. He's wondering, why me? <laughs> why this? Why did it happen? Along come three so-called friends. They're called comforters. They're not, right? Okay. They try to help Job. They're supposed to comfort. They tell him, Job, you know, we know, we three, we know that those who honor God get blessed and those who are evil get cursed. Job, you, were, you honored God and you got blessed with flocks, herd, children, etc., etc. You're well off. Now look at things. You're devastated. You lost. You're cursed. Job, what have you done? <laughs> Confess. Have you been beating your wife? <laughs> have you cheated your servants? Job, there's some sin. We know God blesses those who honor him, the righteous, and God curses the evil. God, right? Their deduction, you were blessed, so you were righteous. Now you're cursed, so you must have done evil. Job, tell us what you've done. Confess, repent. Job, <laughs> Job is, no, I didn't beat my wife. <laughs> I didn't exploit my workers. I didn't, no, I didn't mistreat my animals. No, I'm, I'm innocent, right? So, uh, chapter after chapter, it goes, right, his three friends try to help him. Every time Job says, no, no, I am, I'm, I've honored God. I've, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I didn't do the things you're telling me. I'm innocent, right? So at the end of that is chapter 13. That brings us to chapter 13. Okay, Job says, I don't want to hear from you three people again. Right? You've had chapter after chapter. Now, I, okay, I'm, I'm not appealing to you. I want to appeal to God. I appeal to God for his vindication. I want I God, I just want a, a time with you. Right? I want to see you and I want to appeal to you because I'm, I'm innocent. I'm, right? And I want to be, that to be recognized by you. That's, I know, okay, so I'm going to approach, I'm going to bring my case to God. I'm bringing my case to God. Job says, I know this will work out for my vindication. See, in that context, what is this will work out to my salvation? This will work out to my vindication. You don't recognize that I'm innocent of, of what you're accusing me. God knows everything. God will recognize I am innocent. God will endorse. God will approve. That's my vindication. See? Job says, I know this will work out to my vindication. Right? Because God knows. Right? Okay. That's that stage of, of the Job story. Okay. Knowing that, okay, Let's take, now, Paul is using the same word, same phrase. So how should we understand Paul? This will work out to my salvation. 
right? Number one, it's not eternal salvation. It's not, you know, finally I'm not going to be punished by God. I'm gonna, not going to go to the bad place. I'm going to go to the good place. No, Job is not thinking about that. Right? And it's not release. Job is not looking for release. Job's not in prison. Yes, Job's suffering. Job is not just looking for the end of suffering. Okay, God, heal me, heal my body, restore my flocks, herds, house, etc. No, even God does that. Job would still say, okay, why? Why did it happen to me? It didn't happen to me because of things I did. I'm innocent, right? It's not just restoration. Job wants God's recognition of, of him, of his stand before God. Vindication. Okay? So it's not eternal salvation. At the last judgment, it's not deliverance. No, Job wants God's recognition. And it's not just spiritual, you know, I, I want to feel better spiritually. I want to, you know, I feel depressed. I want some joy. I feel anxious. I want peace. No, Job is not looking for that. Job wants God's vindication. I want God to judge this case. I want God to adjudicate. And when God adjudicates, evaluates, he will approve me on these points. You get it? He's not, Job's not saying I'm perfect. He is saying I didn't deserve, right? Those things didn't happen as a result of, my, of any sin that I did. Okay, so here, okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> See, that's the key. That's the key. The link between Job and, and Paul here, the fact that Job... Paul is echoing the words of Job. He's echoing those words from the Old Testament. He's echoing. Do you, the question is, do we hear the echo? There's an echo. Do you hear it? <laughs> Not outwardly. If we do recognize the echo, okay, in that light we understand Okay, what's going on here, right? Okay, and that can help us. So salvation in Job means, right, I'm vindicated. That's what it means to Paul. I have a chart just to compare. Okay, on the left you have Job. On the right you have Paul. Job is Old Testament. Paul is New Testament, right? But Paul is echoing their word. Okay, think about it. There's a co compare and contrast Paul is not in the same situation. Paul's in the New Testament after Jesus' death, resurrection. You know, Job is way back with Abraham, right? Okay, so Job on top line. Job's living blamelessly, right, as far as right, what's required of God. He fears God. He avoids evil. He prays, etc. That's his life. He's righteous according to the expectations of that day. How about Paul? That's not what Paul is doing, right? Paul did that in Judaism. Now Paul, now he has Christ. Paul, you ask Paul, what's your living? He tells us right here. My living for me to live is, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ, 
right? My life is involved, engaged with Jesus Christ. How I live to express Him is different, right? To me, to live is Christ. Okay, they both suffered. Job suffered the loss of the herds, flocks, etc., and health. Paul said, right, he's in prison. Actually, Paul says in chapter 3, um, because of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things, right? I had a reputation, I had position, I had status, I had, okay, I had a lot of things when I was in the Jewish religion. Um, but for the sake of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things. He also suffered, now he's in prison. But Paul would say, you know, I'm not in prison because I don't know what's going on. It's a mistake, Paul would say, I'm in prison because of Christ, right? So, line three, Job is perplexed, he's, right? He's asking, why? Why did it happen to me? Why this? Why me? Why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> That's Job, and he doesn't, right? He's trying to figure out, right? So, he's mystified, perplexed. Paul is not mystified, not perplexed, right? Paul's, Paul says, I'm a slave of Christ. I'm here to serve Christ. And I, sh yeah, serving Christ, following Christ, there will be opposition. There will be, uh, right, criticism. There will be, right, things won't go well. People's attitude will be negative. There's negative things if we follow Christ, Right? Christ was not universally accepted, neither are we. Paul realized, says, yes, I will, following Christ, I will suffer. And he did. Right? But those sufferings are sufferings for Christ. Right? He knows why he's doing it. Okay? Paul, Job is accused by his so-called friends of their so-called comforters of, his, of sins. Right? You did stuff. Right? Paul is, okay, Job suffers from the criticism of his friends. Chapter after chapter, he said, you know, he says, you're worthless doctors. You're not, <laughs> you don't know what's going on, right? You're not, and you're not helping me, <laughs> right? So he's suffering, right, from his, their uh, so-called help. Paul is a, is suffering. He's accused by rival preachers, by Jews, by Jewish Christians, by us, through his whole ministry. Job gets, okay, his friends try to comfort him. Paul has what? He said, okay, I have the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I have the prayer to support me. Job eventually is, is vindicated by God. You read the whole chapter, sorry, whole book. Eventually, that's a long book. <laughs> right? We need the, the brief version. Eventually, God comes in and God vindicates Job. God appears, right? God manifests himself to Job. This is chapter 42, the last chapter. <laughs> Job says, God appeared in a whirlwind and a storm to Job. Uh, Job says, tells God, I heard reports about you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you, and I repent. Not for specific, you know, I had the wrong attitude towards God, right? 
okay? And, but God vindicates Paul. The Lord told Job's friends, the three friends, I am angry with you, friends, because, so-called friends, you have not spoken the truth about me. God rebukes those comforters' friends, right? You've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Job spoke truly of me. You did not. My servant Job will offer sacrifices and pray for you, friends, and I'll accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your stupidity. <laughs> That's God's rebuke of Job's friends. They get rebuked. Uh, Job gets, in a sense, vindicated. Okay, so Job gets vindicated. What is his vindication? He wants, you know, he doesn't want to be endorsed by people. Ultimately, God's judgment counts for everything. He wants to be vindicated, approved, endorsed by God, and God does that. Okay, so, okay, Paul is the same. Okay, so salvation here is vindication. Paul says, I know this will work out to my salvation. Vindication. Yes, I'm opposed. I've got rival preachers who are trying to cause me trouble. I've got the Jewish people who are against me. I've got Jewish Christians or whatever. I've got a lot of opposition here, there, and everywhere. But I know this, even my imprisonment, will work out to, to vind God will vindicate me ultimately. And that's what counts. God will accept. God will approve. God will endorse me. That's what Paul is saying. Okay. So how about you and I? Will we be approved, endorsed? You know, we may say, you may say, oh, I misunderstood. People, you know, at work or whatever, school neighbors, they misunderstand me. Right? I'm misunderstood. I'm misrepresented. I want to be vindicated. Right? Or I have, a, I have a disagreement. You know, God does not vindicate everything. Even in this book, Paul later says, there's two sisters who have a disagreement. One's called Yodius. One's called Syntyche. Those are Greek names. They have some kind of disagreement. Paul says, Paul doesn't say, God agrees with this one. Uh, God, uh, God rebukes that one. Or vice versa. Paul just says, I ask those two sisters, get reconciled. And so if somebody, I hope somebody can help them. See, God, you have a disagreement, dis misunderstanding with people. Uh, you're offended by people, D right? Doesn't mean God's going to endorse, approve you, rebuke the other person. No, right? Jesus had the same thing. Right? When Jesus was traveling, ministering, on one occasion somebody said to me, said to Jesus, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There's an inheritance, right? There's some kind of division. The, the one says, I guess he thought he was uh, shortchanged. Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What did Jesus say? He didn't say, yes, divide it equally, 50-50. <laughs> no, Jesus said, no, I'm not the divider, the, right? That's not what I'm here for. 
And you be careful. What counts is not wealth. Don't just be after wealth. Right? Jesus did not vindicate one and, and rebuke the other. So, right? We want to be vindicated by God. What kind of life can God vindicate? I think, let's look at Paul. We know, right? Paul's appealing to God for vindication. God vindicates, and Paul, right? God vindicates people along those lines. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To me to live is Christ. When we're li- if our Christ is in our life, the center of our life, then we can ask the Lord, Right? We're in a condition, position. God can vindicate. Okay, we did this before. We appealed to this verse before, right? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. For me to live is, for to die is, okay, what about you? That was true for Paul. Paul said it. Paul meant it. Paul lived it. Okay, how about you and I? That's the question. Same question, right? For me, living is what? Dying, you know, this, people use this. I think it's good. You know, okay, for you, what's your priority? What are you for? When, right? Day by day, how do you live? If you say, okay, for me, living is money. Living is wealth. Okay, dying is... <laughs> For me, living is money. Money, Living is wealth. Dying is bankruptcy, right? You don't take it with you. doesn't matter how big your house is. It's not going with you, right? For me, right? So, you know, for some other people, for, right? For me, living is fame. Living is celebrity. That's some people. Living is fame. Living is celebrity. Dying is... <laughs> you'll be forgotten. There's a new set of celebrities, right? So living is fame. Dying is to be forgotten. For me, living is power, right? Political power, military power, right? etc. Business power. For me, living is power. Dying is... It's not power. <laughs> Dying is powerless. Whatever power you had, political, social, right, financial, okay, here. Dying is, you don't have it. You're powerless, right? Okay, can we make Christ? Paul could say, living is, for me to live, for me, living is Christ. My life is involved with Christ. Christ is a priority in my life. Then, dying is gain. Dying is gain. Right? Me and Christ. Okay, let's, let's close with prayer. That life, Paul, God could vindicate. Paul had the confidence. Yes, I'm living Christ God will vindicate me. People might not appreciate me, might not like me, might oppose me. However, God will vindicate me. That was Paul. And today you have many, right? A lot of the New Testament is Paul's. In part, that's vindication. What Paul wrote, God approved, it's in your New Testament. 
right? That's somewhat, uh, be, uh, partly a vindication. Ultimately, right, Paul, God is saying, what Paul wrote, I agree with. What Paul said and recorded, I endorse. That's my word, not just his word. God vindicates Paul, okay? Well, if we live Christ, God can, we can expect hope for God's vindication. How about we pray? Lord, Lord we pray. Lord, we could learn. Lord, even when we're going, even though there's misunderstandings, maybe we have some opposition outside. We have some troubles in our life. Lord, we pray through it all. We would have you. We would lay hold of you. We would live with you for you. Lord, we could say, for me, living is Christ. Lord, this week, gain more areas, gain more of our heart, more of our living. We could more truly say, for me, living is Christ. Lord, that we'd have your approval, your endorsement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CIT Podcast. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at churchintoronto.com. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services this weekend. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God loves you.